I think recognition is really underrated. People think that people are motivated by money or um, by career titles. And I think it's beyond that. I think it's really recognition that drives drives people, right? To want to work for you and to give 110%. Welcome to The Drift, the podcast where we get to hear from some of the most extraordinary women and chat on all things business strategy, personal development, and leadership. I'm your host, Aloiza, and today's guest is Hayal Coach, a regional vice president at Salesforce, the world's leading CRM platform. In her role, she leads a team of top sales professionals partnering with high-tech companies in both San Francisco and Silicon Valley. Prior to Salesforce, she co-founded and led sales and business development at an HR tech startup based in Istanbul, Turkey, where she's now a board member and advisor. Hayal began her career in investment banking and consulting, working at top global firms such as JP Morgan, EY, and PwC. Without further ado, welcome Hayal. Hello, welcome, um, and thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on, and I am sure that we are going to immediately hear a wealth of insights and learnings from you today, too. So I guess to kind of go ahead and dive in, can you share with us a little background on yourself and how you got to where you are today? Sure. Uh, so I feel like I really had four different careers. I started out in investment banking. I was always fascinated with the world of finance. I had studied economics undergrad. Um, so I did a couple of years of investment banking, uh, both in M&A and equity research. Uh, following that, I knew I wanted to go back to business school. So um, I went to NYU Stern. And after business school, I switched to consulting. Uh, consulting to me felt like it had a lot of the things that I found similar and interesting, right, in investment banking, uh, such as that face, fast-paced tempo, um, getting access to a lot of really senior executives, solving complex problems. Um, but consulting also had that kind of face-to-face element, which uh, I think was a little bit lacking in my beginning of my career in investment banking. Uh, and I really loved it. Uh, and you know, I did all different types of consulting um, from strategic M&A consulting, which tends to be a little bit smaller and um, or shorter, I'll say, in length, to strategic and operational consulting projects, which can range between you know, six months to a couple of years. Um, and in that time, I also became fascinated with the whole model of flexible project-based working which is really the premise of consulting. You're always on specific projects with very specific scope, um, business expected business outcomes, um, and you're working with different companies all the time. And I thought, you know, isn't there a way that we could do this across other industries as well and have more people work in this type of world? And uh, that I had the business idea in my head for some time and I had the good fortune of meeting my co-founder, and we, you know, co-founded with a couple others, uh, a company called Expertera. Uh, and um, as you mentioned, it's an on-demand talent platform. So we would connect companies of all different size, scale types uh, with on-demand business experts. Uh, generally, you know, 10 years plus experience um, on all different you know, areas and industries. And um, they could be short-term projects, so just even a few hours of questions and Q&A advice um, all the way to several months or even years. So um, the company still exists today. And um, I really ran our sales, uh, business development, some marketing as well, uh, and built the team up there. Uh, It was an amazing experience. I highly recommend entrepreneurship or even just a little bit of uh, an entrepreneurship world, I'll say, for anyone in their career. 
Um, it's a true growth experience. Um, it challenges you in all the right ways. Uh, and I really feel like I, I grew as an executive uh, in that role. That was also the first time I was in a pure sales capacity. And um, following that, I knew I wanted, at the time I had moved back to Turkey, uh, which is where I'm originally from. And I knew I was going to move back to the U.S. at some point. Um, and kind of based on some personal timing as well, it started to feel like the right time. Um, when I was back in San Francisco, um, kind of just visiting, I had the good fortune uh, to meet one of the VPs at Salesforce. Uh, we really hit it off. And, you know, it was a quick turnaround um, that I got the opportunity to be a senior account executive here at Salesforce. Um, and the segment I will be working in, uh, or began working in, is this high growth, high tech segment which was a really good match for some of the skills I developed in the startup world and as a business executive, uh, as well as kind of a really exciting kind of segment, right? We have a lot of companies that are pre-IPO, post-IPO, that have investment from venture capital, private equity. It's never a dull moment. Uh, what, what we do, and I manage a team of account executives today, what we do is really partner with these companies to make sure that they have the right infrastructure to set them up for success in the next phase. Uh, so it's a really fun space to be in. And um, yeah, I'm a regional vice president now managing this team. My goodness, that is quite a journey. And I love the fact that you have dove into the entrepreneurial and also the consulting side too. So pulling on kind of the common themes that I'm seeing across your journey is one, I am sure that you have been exposed to a wide variety of leadership styles, which more than likely, right, has in turn formed your own perspectives of leadership. And then yeah. secondly, which I think is almost like a 1B because they're very much so interconnected, is understanding the fundamentals of how to build, how to form relationships, how to earn trust. Because that ultimately in itself is, my goodness, a, a skill that is used both from an executive leadership position, from an entrepreneurial boots on the ground, rolling your sleeves up, trying to make the team work, building high-performing teams, and then also from your investment banking world, right? To me, when I hear that, I understand now that you you absolutely know the skill sets between or behind not only right. just knowing the numbers, but also knowing the story and the people that are actually driving those numbers. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a, it's a good... Um, you bring up a good point around building. So a big part of, I think, being an effective leader, right, is to be able to earn the trust of who you're leading. Um, I have had uh, the unique experience just um, as of a, almost two years ago now, but uh, to lead basically my my peers, uh, people who are previously my peers. And I think that was a big test for me to see how can I earn their credibility um, in a scenario where it wasn't like a natural progression, right? So I think the most important thing there is just really being transparent and vulnerable. Um, I mean, from the get-go, also knowing that, you know, I don't think anyone, I think sometimes people wait to say, okay, am I ready for leadership? And truly, you're never going to get like a bell saying, okay, now is time, right? To <laughs> You need to take that leap of faith. I think that's true for career transitions as well. Um, really, you know, you even said it best. There's lots of things that are parallel, but then if you look at it from a different career perspective, they're different, right? And so it's on you, I think, to kind of weave what's similar in those career paths um, and really use them to say, okay, this is what I think could make me a good leader in this space, even though I have not led here before. 
Um, so going back to just really building trust through, I'm very transparent with my team. I uh, kind of share areas that I think I'm really good in. I share areas where I think they are better in and that we could learn together in. Um, I, I really lead by example, right? So that's just, it's following through with what you say you're going to do. Um, and also, you know, a lot of times as leadership, you know, leaders are like, you're expected to maybe hone in on areas of improvement, right? There definitely is a lot of that, but even more, even um, equivalent is just really amplifying good behaviors um, and things that you're seeing across the board and recognizing efforts. I think recognition is really underrated. People think that people are motivated by money or um, by career titles. And I think it's beyond that. I think it's really recognition that drives drives people, right, to want to work for you and to give 110%. So um, those things, and I'd say the last thing is just really building connections. Uh, I think it's really important to make time for connections, right, to make time, even though we're really, really busy, it's a stressful time in the economy right now. Um, but we just had a team building event last night, for example. Um, and I think really being able to make those people-to-people and the non-professional connections as well helps in the professional world. That's exactly right. So you touched on a lot of really important topics here. So the first one, and it's, it's calling out to me, is understanding and trying to define for yourself what are the characteristics of a leader. So yeah. I want to dive into this one because I know that you and I have chatted about this in the past and also the importance of recognizing the dynamics, quite frankly, right yeah. now between men and women. Yeah. And in my own personal perspective, right? And this is why, of course, like the podcast is part of it. Like, I do not believe that there's enough representation in senior level positions. And then you kind of break that down a little bit more too by industry, by sector. Like, talk me through your thoughts on this. You know, how can we create more representation? Like, what are you seeing? Yeah, so I 100% agree. Um, we There definitely is not enough female leadership across multiple industries. And... You know, it can be sometimes lonely or frustrating. Um, I, I, I do feel like, though, what I tend to do is focus on what makes us unique, what makes us uniquely suited uh, for the role, and in fact, better in some capacities in the role. So I think really focusing on that and doubling down on that. Um, and I think because you don't see a lot of other seniors and your senior leaders in your uh, role, building community from different groups as well and not expecting it from uh, from your peers, I'll say. Um, in terms of what, what we can do, right, to help increase the number of women in leadership positions, I can speak to, for example, from a sales capacity. One thing I see and what I've been really trying to help our teams with is as simple as job descriptions. Uh, we have a lot of job descriptions in sales that focus on I'll say, quote unquote, masculine uh, adjectives, right? Like being a hunter, being aggressive, um, being super ambitious, these types of things. And I think sometimes it just, even though the women do have those, um, you know, those capabilities, they tend to just feel uncomfortable with being labeled as such. And so I think we need to kind of change some of the verbiage in job profiles, right? So that's just one small thing, but I do think it makes a difference. Um, the second is just being flexible in terms of, you know, I'm really passionate about working flexibly. 
And I think that's even more important for women in the workforce, not even women who have children, but it could uh, women who are caretakers, women who have many times just take on other roles in the community. And I think acknowledging that and making space for it is really important as well. Um, so those are some of the things that I do, at least on my immediate team and my uh, immediate, I'll say, uh, you know, community to try to get more women in senior positions. Sure. And it seems like those kind of characteristics or, or actions that you're exemplifying, not only, of course, does it encourage more diversity in the workforce, but it also seems like it's one of those key components that you're using to be able to build, maintain, earn trust amongst yeah. colleagues. So that kind of goes into a couple of your other points earlier is you mentioned the importance importance of recognition and yes. I don't know how you feel about this, but I'm I'm laughing at this internally because I feel like in in most cases that I've personally experienced that it's a lot easier to recognize and and celebrate the wins of your team when they're not exactly like peer to peer colleagues, right? They're associates, they're mid level, they're mid level associates. But it's a lot harder whenever it comes to same level positions. Like, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you know, uh, definitely can be more of a competition, uh, and, and so that making it kind of a little more difficult. But I think there too, just focusing on honestly, the pie is so large. Everyone can have a piece, and you know, one person. And we we see this a lot in sales. You know, there's four quarters in a year. You know, very rarely is it, you know, every quarter someone's a top performer. It ebbs and flows. And I think being able to have that, like the peaks and valleys of our careers and our lives, I think being able to recognize that is really important. Um, so those are some of the things I think about when I think about, you know, uh, recognizing peers, I'll say. Um and, and I think, too, just being very specific about what it is, right, that um, you find, you think they're unique in. And I think everyone brings something unique to the table. So, I, you know, I think focusing on that um, can get past some of the more competitive, I'll say, instincts. <laughs> That's exactly right. It's, it's, it's about balancing those instincts, too, because I know, especially in the sales world, competition is very, can be very healthy for teams. So... Now that I'm curious too, and this might quite frankly be taking us back a little bit, um, but just because I think it's incredibly important and something that is by far one of the most like highly like searched topics of how do I overcome imposter syndrome? Yeah. And I think that this is really important, especially, and I'd love to get your perspective, just given your own personal journey. And by no means, I'm not sure if you've actually felt this before, but I'd love to get your your perspective on, yeah, you have. So what's your thoughts on it? Like, what advice would you, how do you overcome it? Yeah. So I would say absolutely have, will continue to. Uh, And I think that's a sign, honestly, that you're pushing yourself and challenging yourself. And I think it's really important in life. Um, You know, I mentioned I've moved countries, moved, changed cities, changed entire career paths, um, put myself in positions where I'm, you know, very uncertain, but I just, you know, I have something in me that I'm passionate about it. So um, I think it's really important and you're always going to feel that. Um, for me, I try to take a step back and say, okay, what are the facts of the situation? There's what I'm feeling, right, about the situation, but let's just go through the facts. You know, let's just say you're on a panel and, or you're asked to speak on a panel and you, you know, have, I don't know, a few years less experience in the realm versus in your mind, you're thinking, I have no, you know, reason to be here. 
So just really focusing on the facts and that lets you or helps, I think, kind of de-emphasize the, you know, the tendency to spiral a bit. So um, I think that, and I also think like just acknowledging the, the elephant in the room sometimes, hey guys, you know, I feel a little, you know, maybe intimidated or uncomfortable, or I feel like I don't have as much experience in this area, but here's how I think I can add value or, um, and, but this is how I'm working to overcome it. I'm taking these classes during the evenings, whatever it may be. Um, and then I also feel like, so like share how you're feeling with the team, right? Um, and letting go of perfectionism. I think a lot of women are, uh, including myself again, uh, tend to want to be perfect in all elements. And not only do our male counterparts not feel this, uh, but also it's just it's impossible. So I think acknowledging sometimes if, you know, hey, today I'm late for these reasons um, and, you know, or I'm not going to be able to do 100% in this um, project and just kind of sharing that it's okay, right? We're all human beings. Um, and then, you know, I try always to, to learn from my peers. So any areas I feel like I'm, you know, inadequate, I'm constantly learning. I think that growth mindset and learning beginner's mindset is so important. I mean, I still listen to podcasts about sales and leadership skills on a regular basis, right? And I think constantly doing that helps you get more and more comfortable in that world, right? Or in that realm. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I think, you know, sharing, for example, too, um, areas you've done really well and then areas you have failed uh, is also helpful to not only build trust, but also to make you start to make you feel a little more comfortable. Um, but I think practicing all of those kind of helps to get rid of that, or not get rid of it, I'll say, and minimize. All right. I was going to say, does it ever actually really go away? Please. I'd love to, love to share the recipe with, with the field here. I think that's incredibly powerful. And you know, when we think about those characteristics and, and the, the advice that you've just prepared, right? Um, not only does it allow women to be able to help, of course, minimize the, the levels of imposter syndrome that they could be experiencing, but speaking broadly, like, I think that certainly can apply to just being able to build trust and maintain trust across the organization, would you say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, this is incredibly insightful. And as we're gearing up for the end of this episode, we do have a final question for you. If you could give advice to a young woman that is desiring to be a future entrepreneur or executive, what would you share with them? You know, I would say you're never ready. And I think um, you should take a leap of faith regardless, because I think uh, it's really important to just try new things in your career, to get away from just kind of the tried and true um, and, and just really take that leap of faith. Don't wait for a sign that you're ready. Don't wait for someone to tell you that you're ready. Uh, I really think you should go out there and make it known that you are interested in, it could be a position, a different career, um, a different, you know, um, course, credibility, anything. Uh, I really think you should kind of take that leap of faith and um, don't wait for a sign. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you, Hayal, for your time. I'm looking to hear more practical applications of leadership, personal, and team development. Subscribe to this podcast and we'll catch you next time on The Drift.